Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope, all of you here in the room, and those of you gathered online, we're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this, uh, this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, we believe that's true, that the Lord meets us here, right here in the reality we live in, with all of its good and bad and ugly and all the rest. And uh, I, for one, am very grateful for that. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. God, we are grateful that you meet us right here, right now, with all the stuff going on in our lives, uh, some of it great, some of it terrible. Uh, God, we are grateful that you are with us. So please, would you help us throughout this service as we have uh, focused our attention on you for this hour? I pray, God, that you would reward that with a real sense of your presence. I mean, you're the one who's invited us here. It's not like we get special credit for showing up. Uh, God, you're the one who, some of us, you dragged us here. You dragged us out of bed. You, you got us to this place, to this time. And now, God, we're just hopeful. We're praying. Uh, to connect with you, the God who made us and loves us. So please, God, use, use a prayer, use a song, use a scripture, use something to connect with our hearts, with our minds, with our lives today. And help us to be open to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
Well, I looked it up, Judy. It was all the way back from 1527, that song was. 16th century Martin Luther, one of the first Protestant hymns. going to sing a song called uh, Psalm 139. So as you probably can guess, most of the words from that song are from Psalm 139. I'd like to read from Psalm 139, but not the same words that are going to be in this song. Starting on uh, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts of me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. me and you know me 
Please join me as we pray that psalm this morning. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this, this presence that you have all around us, Lord. I thank you that you're a God who is in all and through all and, and is yet cannot be contained by any of it. That, Lord, you know my thoughts. You know my comings and goings. You know where I'm at. You know where I've been. You know where I will be. And, Father, still you love us. You love me. What, a, what a, a, an overwhelming thing to, to try and grasp this morning. The greatness of you, Lord, and yet the intimacy that we can have with you. God, it's beyond our understanding but I still am so thankful for that very truth. I thank you, Lord, that we can never run so far that we can outrun you. We can never be so far away that you aren't already there. Nothing we can do, nowhere we can go, are we beyond your grace and your mercy and your love and your redemption. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we can't outrun you because where would we be? I thank you, Lord, for each person here. For this morning as we are gathered together in this place. For those of us who tried to outrun you and we just couldn't. For those of us who've walked with you all this time, Lord. I thank you for each one. For the lives and the families and the communities and the homes represented some of them, Lord, have been fantastic places where you have been honored and glorified for decades, generations, Lord. Some of them, not so much. Some of them have been filled maybe with chaos and dysfunction, Lord, and yet you were in all of that, always working to bring about redemption and reconciliation. And I pray that that would be our reality this morning. As we turn to you, Lord, as we come to you with open hearts and open hands, Lord, that you would be working redemptively in our lives, regardless of what our situation may be. I pray for Pastor Rich this morning as he brings us your word for us, that, Lord, we would hear what it is you have to say, not just the words, not just the concepts, not just the ideas, but the heart of what you are telling us this morning. And for all these things, Lord, we give you honor and glory, blessing and praise, and we pray them in your holy name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you so much. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves.
Just a quick word to those of you watching online while these folks are uh, finding their seats. Uh, we're glad that you're with us too, and we would love to hear from you. Leave us a note in the comments or something, since you didn't just get to shake our hands just now. Uh, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. If you've got a longer thing that you don't want to put it out publicly on Facebook or YouTube, uh, you can share with us how we can be praying for you or thanking God with you or answering your questions, whatever that might be. And the same thing goes for all of us. Uh, if you have something you would like to share privately, you can do that there. Uh, or you can grab one of those little green cards on that little table back there and uh, jot your note on it whatever it might be, and some contact info, and just drop it in the little, there's a little offering box back there. If you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well. Thank you to all of you who give so faithfully uh, to support the work of God's church here at Living Hope and around the world. And um, uh, you can drop that in the box, or you can give online, livinghope.info slash give. And um, uh, some of you are, uh, are being generous by bringing uh, some cold weather gear, and you've been leaving it out on the on the. Uh, clothing rack or the table out there in the lobby. If you've got something you'd like to share uh, with people who need some warm clothes, uh, especially as, you know, it's getting colder, especially overnight, especially for some of our homeless neighbors, if you want to make sure that they've got a coat or um, long underwear or gloves or a hat or a scarf or something like that, feel free to bring it by and just drop it off there in the lobby and, uh, and people will grab it. If, I hope nobody, none of you hung your coats up out there, uh, like by mistake. We, we do have like a coat rack back in the corner. If you don't want to give it away you can, and you don't want to just put it on your chair, that's what... Uh, for a couple of years, we had had a coat rack out there, and like nobody used it because uh, everybody just like I don't want to leave my coat out there, and I come in here, so everybody just put them on their seats. But um, yeah, but then we started as soon as we put that up there and started giving them away, all of a sudden some people were like, oh yeah, I'll hang my coat up here. Um, so anyway, just want to make sure no unintentional donations take place. Um, if you want to, uh, on purpose, donate to Habitat for Humanity, you can do that. We're uh, participating with uh, building a house. This year is in South Haven. And uh, if you would like to help build that, this Saturday uh, is a Saturday that they've invited us to, to come out and help build. Uh, I'm going to be there at least for a part of the morning. Uh, we've got some other folks from the church that have already signed up uh, to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, if you want to help build the church, or build, build the church, not build the church, build a house. If you want to help build a house for some folks who need it, um, yeah, you can, you can do that this Saturday. Uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash habitat. There's a link there. Uh, or if you just end up on the front page of our website at the bottom, is a, a little link to that. And, uh, and then next Sunday, so that's Saturday, this coming Saturday, next Sunday uh, is Living Hope 101 after both of the services. It's a little lunch thing. If you want to learn more about the church, what we believe, what it would mean to plug in here, become a member here, that sort of thing, uh, you're invited. We just need to know how much pizza to order, how many handouts to print. So if you want to join us for that, uh, let me know sometime between now and like Wednesday or something. And, um, and we'll, we'll be ready for you. Uh, oh, and I don't have it in here, I don't think, but the, uh, the women's Bible study that's been happening on Tuesdays is just about to wrap up this week, and they're going to do another one uh, starting November 20... I did, I did put on the front. New study begins November 28th. So, uh, ladies, if uh, during the day, Tuesday afternoons, is the time that you'd like to connect with some other women here at the church, uh, you're invited to do that. Just let us know so she can get enough books ordered for you. And, uh, of course, anyone's welcome to show up here on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We've got a, uh, we pull some tables together in here, and, um, yeah, we just have a discussion. From Sometimes we dive in further into the scriptures that we look at on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's other things people are going through uh, or other encounters with God they've had during the week. But if you want to connect with some other folks in the church, uh, that's another opportunity to do that. All right. Um, in the month of, in month of, I almost said in the month of Thanksgiving, in the month of November, I try to focus on gratitude as much as I can. Uh, you know, we all need to do that from time to time, right? And, uh, and so there have been some years uh, where we weren't doing a year-long journey through the Bible like we are this year, uh, that November's just been 
totally focused on gratitude and, and being grateful and being aware of the things that God does for us. And so uh, each Sunday I have to pick a little title, and so I'm trying to start them with thankful for something. And, uh, and this Sunday I just found myself being thankful for God's grace as I was reflecting on the passages that we're going to look at today from the book of Hebrews, uh, including one of my favorites, one of my favorite passages in Hebrews and, frankly, in all of Scripture. Uh, although I should be hesitant to say that because I've probably got a couple dozen favorites. But anyway, one of my favorites from the book of Hebrews is one we're going to look at today. And, uh, but we've got we've to get to it first. Um, if you have, uh, since it's November, if you're just joining us now, this year we've been doing a, trying to get the big story of the Bible. And we started the year in January in Genesis and spent the first five months in the first five books of the Bible uh, called the, the Torah, uh, the Law, the Books of Moses, and uh, the book of Hebrews where we're at today. Uh, and next month we'll be in Revelation for December, which is always fun anytime we hit Revelation and Christmas and, and those things uh, mixed together. It, it really is kind of fun. Um, <clears throat> but today we're in this book of Hebrews, which is written to people who grew up studying those books and living their lives by those books and eating the food those books said they could eat and celebrating uh, God's uh, great acts of salvation that are described in those books through the festivals that are prescribed in those books and going to the temple that's described, you know, here's how you're supposed to build that that's described in those books. And their whole life uh, kind of revolved around what God had done for his people uh, as he rescued them from slavery in Egypt and he brought them into the promised land and he established uh, a, a pattern of life and of worship and, uh, and now some of those folks are beginning to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus has shown up on the scene, and his earliest followers recognized him as the, the fulfillment of all God's promises that he'd made. You know, through the, the prophets, uh, throughout the Old Testament, they'd looked ahead to a time when there would be this Messiah, this anointed one, that God's spirit would, would be upon, that would be king, and who would, who would lead his people into this new and glorious future. And, uh, and they were recognizing Jesus as that Messiah in spite of the fact that he didn't meet all of their expectations of what a Messiah should look like. In spite of the fact that his throne looked more like a cross and his victory looked more like death, they still recognized that, no, he has conquered sin and death and the devil by his death and resurrection. He really is the Messiah. He really is the anointed one. And not just a human being, but God in the flesh. And, and so now some of these early Christians, early followers of Jesus, are trying to figure out, okay, how does that connect with all that we grew up with? You know, um, you know, do we still go to the temple? Do we still offer these sacrifices? Do we still talk to that priest? What do we, what do, we do with all of that? And, and very soon after Jesus, like AD 70, so like 40-ish years after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And so there was no more worshiping at the temple. And, and so they're trying to figure out, okay, to what do we do now? And... Uh, Last week, we looked at this uh, long list of kind of heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11 as we were thankful for, uh, for good examples and some bad examples. Uh, the book of Hebrews gives us both. Looking back at the stories uh, found in the Old Testament, uh, people who we can look to as examples of faith and trusting God in the midst of difficulty and some that we frankly need to make sure they're kind of more warnings for us. Don't be like them, uh, he says. Uh, but he starts out, we looked at these verses last week, but I, I want to... Uh, Start with them again in the very beginning of this book, this letter, this sermon. We're not sure. Uh, he says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
Um, I put on your tables that little uh, map of uh, the book of Hebrews done by the folks at the Bible Project. And again, we're not going to watch that video because it's like eight minutes long. Uh, but I encourage you to watch it if you'd like. They just walk through the whole book of Hebrews and describe what goes on in the book. And uh, of course, I encourage you to read the book. But if you want to have like, you know, sometimes when you're going to read a book, you want to have some sense of where the book's going or what it's about before you dive in. Uh, this will give you an idea of what the book's about, what you're about to read. And, and um, for the rest of chapter one, he spends time talking about how Jesus is like, greater than or superior to the angels and you're like why on earth do we care about Jesus being superior to angels it's because they believe that angels are the ones who delivered the message to Moses back in those first five books uh, that uh, that God spoke through his messengers the angels to make sure that Moses knew what to write and so they're trying to throughout the book of Hebrews he's saying look all that stuff was good but Jesus is even better God spoke through the prophets and that was wonderful but now we've, we've got like an exact representation of who God is right here like the radiance of his glory right here in Jesus. And so he, uh, he's trying to say that Jesus is more like, well, he puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 2. says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Uh, so evidently, whoever's writing the book of Hebrews, which we don't know, it's one of the few anonymous uh, pieces uh, that we have in our, in our Bibles, um, especially in our New Testament, saying he, he's not one of those who directly heard from Jesus, but those who did have like, confirmed this message. And, and God also testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He's saying this Good news, this salvation, this rescue from sin and death and all the rest that, that God has done in Jesus. This has been confirmed in numerous ways. And if, and if those who heard the message given through angels, if that was binding and, and if you ignored it, you, there were punishments and consequences described for us in Scripture. What, what about us? If we ignore, now God has done something even better. We better not ignore it. In fact, he starts out saying, we must pay the most careful attention, Right? so that we do not drift away. That's an interesting image, this idea of drifting away. It's not like, it's not like he's saying, hey, just make sure you don't like overtly rebel, you know. Make sure you don't like turn your back on Jesus. He says that kind of stuff in other places. But here he says, look, we just don't want to drift away. And man, that can be so easy for us. It'd be easy for me, right? Uh, I mean, it's not just spiritual stuff. This is easy for us in all, all areas of life, right? We have goals. We have things we want to achieve. And we're, we're getting close to the end of the year. And some of you are already thinking about what you want to do differently next year than what you did this year. You're looking back and saying, oh, man, this was the year I was going to learn that language. Or this is the year I was going to lose those pounds. Or this is the year I was going to, you know, whatever it was. I was going to write that, that book or, you know, whatever it was. You, you had some goals, some things you wanted to do this year. And, oh, I didn't. well, maybe, maybe 2024. That'll be the year that I'm going to do. Right? It's, it's, not, it's almost never, we have these goals, it's almost never that we just say, eh, forget it. It's like we start out well, and then we just kind of drift away. We start out going to the gym like five days a week, right? And by the next week, it's like, you know, well, we had to miss a day because, you know, the kid's sick and whatever and had to do a thing. And, and you know, well, I'll get back to it. And then, and then after, the week after that, it's like, yeah, you miss a couple of days. And the next thing you know, you haven't gone for six months. And it's like, well, I used to go to the gym. I guess I just don't anymore. And we drift away. And some of you have experienced that, like, spiritually, too, I imagine. You know, where it's like you, you had a good, healthy rhythm going. 
You know, you were reading the Bible. You were, you were listening for God's voice. You were doing what he's called you to do. You were making sure you stay in touch with the God who made you and loves you and who's always speaking and always there. And maybe you were connected in a church so that you had people around you to encourage you and, and so you had a rhythm of making sure that at least once a week, maybe twice a week, you were, you were connecting and you were making sure you didn't drift. And then, you know, stuff happens, life happens, you get out of the habit, and the next thing you know, it's, it's been six months. And whew, he's saying, we got to pay attention so that we do not drift away. He said, this is, this is important, this is huge, this is life-changing, and so let's not drift away from it. He continues later in that chapter, uh, talking about what God has done in Jesus, uh, the way that Jesus has, has come to rescue us. He says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that's, that's us, he's bringing us to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom, oh sorry, for whom and through whom everything exists, it was fitting that God should make the pioneer of their salvation, talking about Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. He's saying if you wondered about that, this idea that like, well, why did Jesus suffer? Why did he like die on a cross? What was that about? He's saying, no, this was, this was fitting that he would make Jesus, the pioneer of their salvation, perfect or complete through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That's a different image for Jesus right there that maybe you haven't thought of or haven't thought of in a while. Jesus being your, your brother, your big brother, you know, because we've been adopted into God's family. That Jesus is kind of by nature God's son, and we all get to be adopted into God's family as his sons and daughters. So Jesus has, has joined us. He's become one of us. And since we suffer, Jesus suffers. And, and his experience of trust in God he, he's modeled this for us. We talked about this some last week. All these, these examples of the faith were, were people, who, uh, um, people who suffered, you know, people who trusted God in spite of difficulty. And so, um, and so Jesus, in, too, trusted God in spite of great difficulty. There's a, there's a work that suffering does in us where it, it completes us. Uh, James and his letter, uh, which is one of the other contenders. As we we're trying to pick 12 books of the Bible to go through this year. James is one of my favorites. It was, a, it was right up there. Uh, it got edged out by Hebrews. Um, he talks about considering it pure joy when we struggle because this testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance grows us up. Suffering is, is an opportunity for us to trust God and to grow and Jesus did, as our big brother, as our example in the faith. And so he continues, since the children, us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This is, uh, this is, one, this is not my favorite passage in the book of Hebrews, but man, it's close. This idea that Jesus shared in our humanity so that being human he could suffer death and break the power of death. In, uh, in early Christian uh, wrestlings with trying to understand what Jesus did, and this idea that, like, well, did the devil win when Jesus died? How did this work? What was the plan there? Uh, some of them depicted this in art as the devil being like the great serpent, the great dragon, uh, like swallowing Jesus, like defeating Jesus by swallowing him up in death. And then Jesus' resurrection is like bursting out of the dragon, like out from his belly and destroying and killing the, the dragon by, you know, by rising again. 
Uh, that's a gruesome, and I love that image, sorry. Uh, if, if you're sitting here like, I was just eating a snack, and now you're talking about bellies, and oh, man. But this idea that, like, Jesus defeats, breaks the power, uh, defeats the, the devil by his own death and resurrection. Like he, like, he couldn't defeat evil from the inside unless he became one of us. He couldn't have died unless he became one of us, and then he could suffer death, and then he could defeat death. This is what Jesus does for us. Sets free, how do you say it? Free all those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's us. And we've been enslaved by that fear. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, like human beings. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, He's able to help those who are being tempted. I think sometimes when we're gripped by temptation, we have this tendency then to like, like that's the moment that we're like, I don't know if we're hiding from God or we're thinking like, uh-oh, you know, like this is a failure on my part or something. Being tempted is not a failure, right? Being tempted is just human existence. And he's saying Jesus understands that. So when we are being tempted, he can help us in that moment. He can help us to avoid temptation, to to flee from temptation, to not give in to temptation. He can can help us to avoid whatever that thing is that has had its hooks in us for years. He can help us to to defeat that because he has done that and he can lead us through. He suffered and he was tempted, so he's able to help those who are being tempted. And right before this, he's talked about Jesus as this high priest. Um, Again, this is one of those images from the Old Testament that you know, um, all us dirty, rotten sinners had to somehow uh, come before a holy and righteous God. And so a, a, a priest, and it was only the high priest that could enter into that most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was said to dwell at the center of the temple. And only once a year to go in and make atonement for the sins of the whole people with the sacrifices offered and the blood uh, that was, that was uh, applied. And he's saying Jesus is that high priest for us today. Jesus is the one who has become human like us so that he can be this high priest, but he's also God. He, can, he, he is able to enter into God's presence without fear and to help lead us into God's presence as well. Oh, but now I'm getting ahead of myself. That's in my favorite passage coming up. So last week we looked at this one. It kind of leads into this uh, as he's quoting one of, the, one of the Psalms. He says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Uh, we spent a little time talking about that last week. But, but again, uh, this week I wanted to bring that back up because you know, he'd already said, like, we got to pay attention to what we've heard. we got to pay attention to what God is saying to us through Jesus. And so he's saying, look, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't, don't step back from what God's saying to you. If God speaks to you today in some way through something that you hear this morning, um, especially if it's through you know, the scriptures, uh, don't, don't close your heart to that. You know, especially if it's, if it's painful, like, try, do your best, open up, say, okay, God, you're going to have to help me to receive this, to let this do some work in my heart. Don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness and goes on to talk about their failure back in the, in the book of Exodus. Instead, he says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness. Again, as mentioned last week, sin can trick us into thinking we are just fine. 
<laughs> as we're drifting away, sin is, is deceiving us into thinking, ah, oh, no big deal, and just kind of distracting us from even thinking about it. Like, no, we don't want to be hardened in that way. So we need each other to be encouraging us. Maybe, maybe there's somebody that's not here today that you missed them, and you're like, oh, where's so-and-so? And you need to call them. You need to text them later and say, like, hey, missed you this morning. And you need to reach out to them, make sure they're not drifting away, <laughs> you know? We need people around us to encourage us, to, to help us to, to keep moving, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep trusting God. He says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. By the time he gets to chapter 4, again, he's talking about uh, God speaking. He says, the word of God is alive and active. He says, these aren't just dead words on a page or something that God said through Jesus or through those disciples, you know, eons ago. He says, God is speaking today. His word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Today, we might say, like, sharper than a surgeon's scalpel or something, right? It's like, it cuts, and it cuts deep. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When God speaks, all of a sudden, we realize, oh, God knows what's going on inside of me. And he's saying something that I need to hear. He's He's telling me I need to change the way I've been thinking about that neighbor of mine who gets on my nerves and that I just wish would you know, move or something. And, and ooh, God knows how I've been thinking about that person. And, oh, God, please tell me you're not asking me to reach out to them and do something kind for them. And, you know, oh, please. You know, and all of a sudden, God is like, you know, challenging you in some way. Oh, that's something I meant to say right at the very beginning this, this morning and totally forgot. I even have it written right, right here on my paper and forgot about it. Um, the book of Hebrews... Uh, is filled both with like good news, like hope and promise and, and the amazing things God has done, you know, defeating the powers of the devil, um, all of that. It's, it's full of good news, and it's also full of challenge and warnings. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just fall off either end of that uh, balance beam, right? It's like there is good news, there is hope, this is for everyone, this is for you. If you struggle, the good news, Jesus understands, he's with you. At the same time, there's challenge and there's warning like, hey, don't drift away. Don't let go of this. Don't let your heart get hard. These are, these are both present here in this. And, and sometimes we have a tendency just to hear one of those, right? To just hear the good news and think, oh, yep, God understands and he's with me. And, and so no big deal. If I, if I wander for a while, you know, oh, God understands and he'll, he'll be there when I need him again. And, and we have a tendency to kind of fall off one side of that. Or maybe you fall on the other side and, and I don't know, maybe your experience of God or church was all on the challenge side. And, and it's like all you heard was like, you need to do this, and you got to do this, and if you're not doing this, then look out. You know, like, whew, man, God is, is rough, you know. The book of Hebrews makes sure that, to give us both, right? Give us the, the sweet and the sour. Give us the, the candy and the medicine. I'm not, I'm not sure what, what analogy you need to hang on to for that. But anyway, gives us the, the, the good and the, and the challenge because it doesn't, they don't want us to miss out on the good. They don't want us to drift away and miss what God has for us. So God's word is alive and active. It cuts deep, judges our thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. It knows what's going on in there. Just like Psalm 139 said, right? I mean, God sees us and knows us, and tests us and knows what's going on inside us. I should continue. He says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yikes. You know I mean? Like God sees it all. There is nothing hidden from him. That's, that's straight out of Psalm 139, basically. Um, he sees us. He knows us. 
I just had somebody this last week. Uh, when was that? Was that Wednesday night? Was that last Sunday? Sometimes somebody just recently was talking about that, that image, that idea that like, you know, God is with us. God lives within us. It's like he's, he's watching through our eyes. And so when I watch that or I listen to that, when I read that, you know, it's like God is right there. I'm like, <laughs> you know, God is involved in that moment. And would God be happy to be involved in that moment? Or am I dragging God into some places God doesn't want to go? You know, making, making God watch stuff God wouldn't be pleased watching. Or, uh, man, I wish, I, I don't remember who was saying that to me. Sorry. Uh, and no one's like saying, oh, that was me. So I don't know who, who was reminding me of that. It does remind me of one of those uh, Saturday Night Live sketches, though, from way back. Uh, Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. I don't know if any of you guys remember those. The, all the old people in the room are, are laughing along. Um, and uh, there was one of them that... Uh, Said something like, you know, if God dwells within us, as some people say, then uh, I sure hope he likes enchiladas because that's what he's getting. Um, I, I, I always liked that one. Um, but yeah, Hebrews chapter 4 is, is reminding us, look, when God speaks, it can, it can cut and cut deep, you know, because God knows us and he knows what's going on on the inside of us. Everything is laid bare. And we're going to have to give an account we're going to have to we're going to have to explain like why did you hang on to that bitterness for so long we're going to have to explain why did you continue with that with that habit continue watching that or or clicking that or whatever it might be you know you you knew you weren't supposed to be going down that road we're going to have to give an account before God someday and so the very next thing that the author to the hebrew says and this is i think my favorite passage in the whole book he says therefore Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He does the double negative thing there, so it's a little tricky. He's saying we have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses. Like he said earlier, he suffered when he was tempted, so he can help those who are being tempted. He knows what it's like. He can empathize with our weaknesses We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That, I think, is my favorite passage in the entire book of Hebrews. Because it's right when we need God's mercy, when we failed, and we need God to be merciful and not harsh in his judgment. When we have failed, he is saying, look, you can come to God's throne of grace in those moments to find that mercy, to receive that mercy, that forgiveness that you need. Right then, because of Jesus, because he can empathize, because he knows our weaknesses, and he knows that sometimes you may fail, and when you do, you don't have to hide from God like Adam and Eve did in the beginning as if that worked. Uh, We can't hide from God. There's no, we, we can come to him with confident in his love for us because of Jesus, to receive mercy. And when we need grace to help us to, uh, to say no to that temptation, when we are all, I, when I hear grace, sometimes I just think of like strength, like God's, like God's strength, like God is, is there providing for us what we don't have, uh, what we need. So when we need his grace to, to help us to avoid that temptation or to, to live above that temptation or to, to just live a better life than what we've been living, we can come to God's throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus, to find that grace to help us in our time of need. The, the throne room is open, and the God who sits on the throne 
is, is eager to receive us, even when we have failed, even when we are weak, because of Jesus. This is what Jesus does for us. He opens that way. He opens that door, opens the, the relationship to our Heavenly Father who loves us. There are all kinds of warnings in uh, the book of Hebrews. Some of them pretty, frankly, pretty scary. <laughs> Which perhaps is why I keep coming back to this passage right here. That tells us even when, we, when it's mercy that we need, because we have failed, we can come to God's throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That might be what you need to do this morning. It might be that you're like, God, I've been hiding from you. I've been keeping my distance from you. Maybe you just feel like you've drifted away. Maybe you know, you know, God has spoken in the past. You know, his, you've heard his voice and you've allowed your heart to get hard. You've, you've allowed yourself not to listen to what God was saying to you. And, and today you're saying, ah, but you hear God speaking again. And you're like, okay, God, all right, I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> it's scary. Hmm. It's easier if I just kind of harden my heart a little bit and get ready to walk out of here and think about what the rest of my day is going to be like. And, you know, I already had some plans and now you're messing with me, God. Today might be a day that you need to not close that door, not harden that heart. Today might be the day that you need to, to listen, to, to understand that God knows. can come to him confident in his love confident in his grace confident in his mercy whatever your failures whatever uh, whatever your life has looked like you can receive mercy and grace to help you in your time of need so by the time he gets to chapter 10 he spends a whole lot more time talking about how jesus is like these priests and is a better priest and jesus uh in fact offers himself as a sacrifice and and uh, he keeps going through and and uh, for the whole book. And by the time you get to chapter 10, he's, he's kind of returning to this theme. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He's referring to that, that sacrament of baptism. Um, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Don't let sin deceive you. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, like, oh, you could never be forgiven for that. Oh, you know what? You had a chance back then. That was, that was 20 years ago, but now you've, you've gone so far down this road, you, you can't change now. No. He who promised is faithful. What is that, 1 John? Chapter 1, I want to say verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. He will wash us clean and give us a fresh start. And then he returns to another theme that he just mentioned earlier. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day 
approaching. We talked about that a little bit last week with how some people have been good examples for us so that, and now today we can be good examples for others and we can be an encouragement to someone else just like this, this great cloud of witnesses has been cheering us on. Uh, now we can cheer someone else on and we can believe in someone else and help them to know that yes, you can do this. God got me through it. God's helped me to you know, overcome that temptation. God's helped me to really change my life and, and God can help you as well. In fact, that's what I wanted to end with from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One thing the book of Hebrews does very well is it keeps the focus on Jesus from beginning to end. And I, I pray that that will be true for you as well. That you can, that you can keep the, the eyes of your mind, your heart, your imagination fixed on Jesus, on his love for you, on what he was willing to go through for you, willing to, to join us in our humanity to suffer death so that by his resurrection he could defeat the powers of sin and death and set us free. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus who, who opens the way for us to, to approach our Heavenly Father the, on his throne of grace to receive, to confidently come to him for, for mercy and grace when we need it. To keep our eyes on Jesus as he leads us in this life, as he leads us forward. He doesn't, he doesn't keep his focus backwards on all the failures that we've had in the past and the ways we've messed up. No, Jesus is always leading us onward into a future with him. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him so that we can keep on running the race, so we can continue to persevere and keep on moving into the future that God has for each and every one of us, including you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to him before we celebrate communion together. God, we are so grateful for your grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, for the love that we see in him. It's hard for us to imagine a love like that, that would sacrifice so much. Especially for dirty, rotten, messed up sinners like us. But God, that's the kind of love that you have for us, a love that doesn't quit, a love that has not given up and will not give up. Out of love, you were willing to come to us, Lord Jesus, to join us in our humanity to enter into our brokenness and even to suffer our death so that we might have hope, so that we might be able to share in your resurrection life, so that today ordinary folks like us can know that you love us and can, and can see a path forward that is good and beautiful and oh, holy. That's the, that's the word you used today, wasn't it? You are the one who makes us holy and we are the ones being made holy and we are, we are in the same family. Thank you, God, that when we come to you acknowledging our need, you are good, you are faithful, you are compassionate, you are gracious. You forgive our sins. You wash us clean. You embrace us as your sons and daughters. And adopt us into this beautiful worldwide family that stretches across time and space and includes uh, pretty much everybody. People from every walk of life. The rich, the poor, 
uh, people from every nation, every tongue. Uh, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You, you. you give us a concrete, like tangible expression of this in this sacrament of Holy Communion. As we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, God, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Remembering, Jesus, that on that night that you were betrayed, you, you took bread, gave it to your disciples, and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. You took the cup and you said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us, for holding nothing back, but making, well, making this new life possible for us, joining us in our death so we can join you in your life. Help us today to offer you ourselves all that we are so that by your grace, by your Spirit's work in our hearts and lives, you might change us from the inside out and we might live in this world as the, as the body of Christ given for the world. God, you are so good to us and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song and we're going to celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of grape juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. We've got the, the regular bread. It's, it's pita bread cut up into little pieces and we've got some round gluten-free wafers and we've got some of the little cups too if you need to take one of those or if you can't join us or don't want to get so close to, to join us, uh, I think we've got those little cups on each of the tables. Uh, as we sing, you're invited to take one of those and peel it back and get to the bread and, and get to the juice. So whatever method you use to celebrate, we are invited to the table of our Lord Jesus uh, to receive his grace today. So let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. criminals and every Pharisee you came for hypocrites even one like me you carried sin and shame the guilt of every man the weight of all I've done nailed into your hands
grace I've seen and tasted it It's running through my veins I can't escape its grip In you my soul is safe You cover everything Oh, your love bled for me Oh, your blood in crimson streams Oh, your death is hell's defeat A cross meant to kill my victory Behold the Lamb of God takes away our sin takes away our sin the Holy Lamb of God Makes us alive again, makes us alive again. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away our sin, takes away our sin. The Holy Lamb of God makes us alive again, makes us alive again. God, for the amazing love you have shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Please fill us with the Spirit of Christ today so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters. Fill us with your grace and your love just to overflowing, God, so that all the people you send us to this week, we just can't help but spill your grace and your love into their lives too. We pray this in Jesus' name. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.